Good morning, Game Changers, and welcome to Life Church X Online. We are in week, I don't even know what, of quarantine. And while there are so many things that uh, I would love to change and see happen differently right now, there are some things that are really great that God is up to. For example, we've been reaching more people with our online resources and services than we ever have before. And so I just want to take a moment and give God glory for that. If you're new today and you're tuning in for the first time, I just want to welcome you. I want to let you know here at Life Church X, we exist to raise up game changers. What does that mean? It means we believe that every person is created by God with a unique purpose and destiny. And when we walk in that purpose, we are, we are making the greatest impact in this world that we possibly can. So every person has the potential to be a game changer. But based on the decisions that we choose and make and the grace of God entering our lives to empower us, that determines whether or not we'll walk in the fullness of that purpose that God's created us for. So we here, we're here to help people, to equip them, help them figure out what their gifts are, mobilize them to really become the person that God has created them to be. And so I hope that you'll plug in with us, tune in with us, and when we do start having services in our facilities again, that you'll join us at one of our campuses in Waterloo or Jerseyville, Illinois on a Sunday morning. So on that note, I'm excited to get into the Word today. How many people are ready for the Word? I ask that question on Sundays whenever we're together, and so right now, I'd love to ask you, if you're ready for the Word today, you're hungry for the bread of life, can you do a little Bible emoji or something like that in the comments section below? Let us know that you're ready to receive a word from the Lord. So get your Bibles out if you have them with you and go to the book of Ephesians chapter one. I've been spending a lot of time in the book of Ephesians here in the last week and God's just really put some things on my heart that I'm excited to share with you today. So let's start out reading verses 11 through 14. Again, Ephesians chapter one. In him... Also, we have obtained an inheritance. Now, I'll address the also part here in just a second. But in him, meaning in Christ, we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Doesn't that just fire you up right there? That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I know there's a lot of things happening in those verses, and we're going to dig into them here in just a minute. But before that, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we pray that in the moments ahead, it's more of you and less of us, that you would increase right now in our lives, in every home, in every person's room, living room, where they're listening at this very moment. We're ready for a word from you. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear you more clearly than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to draw your attention to in these verses is the Apostle Paul introduces this idea, this concept of an inheritance. And I love the way that he does this because an inheritance, that, that thought process is something I think that all of us can really relate to. 
But let me ask you a question. If you got a letter, a phone call, something out of the blue today, and you were notified that you had just received, you had just become the heir of a huge inheritance, and it was all getting ready to pass to you, how would that change your life? I mean, for a lot of people, there's no question about it. Things would be completely different. They'd be able to give more. They'd be able to do more, things that they love more, possibly. A whole list of things that might be happening there. Maybe if you realize that you had an inheritance, let me ask you this. Would you open up the will and the estate and read every single line to fully understand everything that you had received? I bet you would. Let me ask you this, would you seek out some professional help, people that could assist you in reading and determining and understanding everything that was in those documents that you knew the fullness of the possessions that you had? I'll bet you would. Well, Paul uses this language of an inheritance because as children of God, we receive an inheritance as well. I I love this. I mentioned to you in the beginning verses, it says, in him also we have an inheritance. The reason he says also is because a few verses before that, he says, in him we have received redemption. Then he says, in him we also have received an inheritance. So if you think about it, when we are redeemed or bought by the blood of Jesus into relationship with God, we've been forgiven, we've been purchased, and we are now a part of his family Once that happens and we become family with God, we actually receive an inheritance from him as part of that. Man, that's powerful. Let's think about a few things regarding an inheritance for a second. When someone receives an inheritance, it means that someone else has already paid a price for something. When someone receives an inheritance, it means that someone has died and left you something that you yourself didn't earn. When someone receives an inheritance, it means that everything that person stipulates that you have is yours, that by the the rights that have been given to you, that all becomes yours. It passes to you. When someone receives an inheritance, they have to prove their identity. They have to prove that they're an heir, that they are the person who rightfully belongs to that inheritance. Maybe you're tracking with me in some of this terminology because the inheritance as we know it, maybe in this world today, isn't so different than the principles of an inheritance that we receive in God's kingdom. The last thing I would say is this, is when someone receives an inheritance, it's up to the person, get this, to evoke their own rights, exercise their own authority and rights to receive the fullness of that inheritance. And the title of my message today, I'm just so thrilled and excited about this this message, is living a life of authority. Living a life of authority. Let me say this to you. As children of God, we are meant to be living a life where we are the head and not the tail. We are living from a position of authority that has been granted to us And a lot of people in this world actually don't live like they're a person of authority. They live like they're in oppression and they're being beat down all the time. Listen, that is not the picture that Jesus died for the life of for us to have. That's not the life of a believer. And so I want to give you some thoughts today 
about principles that apply to a life of authority, kingdom principles. We know that God's word is full of principles and precepts. He's a God of order. And there are things that we see about what it means to live a life of authority that are consistent through the scriptures. The first thing that I would tell you is that authority must be granted. It must be granted. There has to be a legal process, okay, track with me, a legal process that takes place in order for authority to be granted to someone with certain rights. The Bible tells us that Jesus, listen to this, has been seated above all things, above all principalities and powers and dominions. He's the name above every name. Why is that so important? Because Jesus is the highest place. He's at the highest place of authority that there is to be at. So that means that authority is his to grant and it's his to give. And so listen, this is unbelievable. But in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, it says this about us who are in Christ or children of God. It says that the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children of God, listen to this language, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Wow. We become heirs with Christ of the fullness of this inheritance that he died for us to have. And when the Spirit of God enters into our heart, when we are born again, then we are, it just says there earlier in Ephesians, we are sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise. So think about this. If you were to receive an inheritance, be notified that you had an inheritance, you would go in and identification would be required. You'd have to prove that you were the person that you're saying you are. Well, the Holy Spirit is sent to live on the inside of us, praise God, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so we now have the very DNA of God living on the inside of us. Think about this. We are born physically with physical DNA, but we are born again spiritually with holy DNA. <laughs> this is miraculous things to think about, right? When we have the DNA of our parents in us, when we're born into this world, then we reflect our parents because their DNA is in us. In fact, I've got a picture that I want you to take a look at here for just a second. Katie and I, we have six kids. Many of you know that. Our youngest is our only son. We have five daughters, and then we finally had a son. His name is Dax, and he looks a lot like his dad. I'm going to show you a picture. Both of us are about four years old in this picture. But you can see there's no denying that he has my DNA. He looks like his daddy. And I'm proud of that, and I love that so much with all my heart. But listen, when God sends his spirit to live on the inside of us, we are marked, we are sealed with holy DNA. And as we live out the life that God's called us to, the Bible tells us that we are transformed more and more into the image of Christ, meaning that we are supposed to be a reflection of him. So when the world looks at our life, they should see a reflection of Jesus looking back at them based on the way that we are living. 
And the fact that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us seals us with God's DNA. And here's the point. It makes us rightful heirs to the inheritance that God died for us to have. With the Holy Spirit, we are rightful heirs of everything that Jesus purchased on the cross for us to receive. Man, that's a powerful reality. That means that we operate from a place of already having this inheritance. We're not trying to earn something or work for something that we would still acquire. I love that about the Lord. The other thing that it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14 about this, I want to read it to you in the amplified version because I love the way it reads here. It says that the Spirit of God is a guarantee or the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. Wow. You know what that means? That means that the Holy Spirit, it says, is a guarantee. It's like a down payment that's been put in us and given to us. It means that we have so much of this inheritance right now but the remaining part of the fullness of our inheritance is still yet to come. In fact, if you read another translation of these verses, it actually says the Holy Spirit is like a guarantee or an engagement ring. Think about that, that there's a promise that's given, there's an inheritance that's passed to us, but there's still more that yet awaits us ahead when we get to heaven to be with God. You think about it, for example, when we are born-again believers, okay, we are given authority over the enemy in our lives. But when we go to heaven to be with Jesus, the enemy is removed altogether. There isn't even an enemy there anymore. Whenever we are born again, we are promised to enter into a place of rest with Jesus in our soul, where we do things in his strength and not our own anymore. But when we go to heaven to be with Jesus for all of eternity, we enter into a place of eternal rest. So the fullness of these promises is still yet awaiting us, but we've been given an inheritance here and now to live out and to walk out. I love this. Lastly, let me just say this about the engagement ring. The Bible refers to Jesus as a groom and us, his church, as a bride. Many of you know this passage, but in the Gospel of John, Jesus says before he's leaving to go to be with God in heaven again, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and, I'm, and where I'm going, there are many mansions, and I will come and again return and receive you to myself. Now, in Jewish history, when a groom and a bride were betrothed or engaged, many cases the groom would go to his father's house, his estate where he was going to take his bride-to-be to live, and he would go and prepare their place. He'd go prepare their home and all the things that he wanted to get ready for her. And then when it was time for the actual marriage, he would come back, he would return, he would receive his bride to himself, and then they would go to live in the place where his father's estate was that he had prepared for her. <laughs> Isn't it powerful to think about this? Jesus is coming back one day for us, the church, his bride. We are betrothed to him now, and we have rights as a betrothed bride. He's coming to receive us to himself because he's preparing a place for us where we will go to be with him for all of eternity. 
Man, these things just blow my mind. I, I hope that this is encouraging you and speaking to you today. If it is, can I just get a little fist bump or a thumbs up or a high five emoji? Just let me know that you're being encouraged in your spirit by the Lord right now. So the first point that I gave you of kingdom principles of authority is one, it, it must be granted. The second part of, spiritual, of, of authority is that it must be exercised. It must be exercised. This is one of the things that I've learned, and it's, it's kind of blown me away, honestly, is that we can have a possession or an inheritance, but never actually use it or exercise those rights, and therefore, we never receive the privileges that come along with that. We have to exercise those rights of authority. We have to exercise our authority over the enemy, and we have to exercise our authority over the flesh, the Bible tells us. We have to evoke that authority in order to, to exercise our rights and enjoy those privileges. But here's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get in front of you and get in between you and the fullness of what God wants to lead you into that's part of your inheritance. He tries to get in front of you, in between you, get in your face and intimidate you and make you not realize that you really are who God says you are and that you really have what he says you have. If he's the master of deception and lies, and if he can deceive you about that, he will. I remember one time when Katie and I, uh, we had our daughter Bella, and she was pregnant with the twins. She was kind of far along, I don't know, five or six months maybe, and we went on a little vacation to, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Jellystone Park, Yogi Bear Park, but we went to this place where there are these cabins and we stayed in there for a couple of nights. And the bathrooms were actually at another, in another building. So you had to leave the cabin, walk across the street to go up to where the restrooms and stuff were. Well, you know, if you've been pregnant before, that a woman needs to get up and go to the bathroom quite a bit when she's far along in her pregnancy, especially with twins. And so it was like, I don't know, two or three o'clock in the morning, Katie had to get up and she went to the restroom and walked across the street. And so I get up and I'm just kind of waiting for her to come back, looking out the door. And she comes back and then she stops like right in front of the cabin. And I'm looking out there trying to figure out, and she's waving me down, you know, like trying to get my attention. And so finally, I open the door, and I'm like, I start to walk out. She's like, no, 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 get back inside. And so I shut the door. I'm like, what's going on? Well, there was a raccoon that was actually on the front porch that came up from under the porch. And he was, this, you know, those things can be vicious little suckers, right? He's doing that, and he's trying to scare her and keep her from coming up the porch and into the house. And so I, by this time, Bella wakes up, she comes over, she sees the raccoon is hissing at her mommy, I'm sitting there, and she's crying, she's terrified, and I'm like in this quandary, do I, do I stay here with her, or do I go out there with Katie? And as I start to go out, Bella's pulling me back in, like, no, no, no. And so this is a huge mess, and finally, I was able to scare the raccoon, I calmed her down, scared the raccoon off, and then Katie was able to come in. But I just it's, think it's a funny picture of what the enemy tries to do with us in our lives. He knows that we belong somewhere. He knows that we are entitled to go somewhere. But if he can get in front of us and intimidate us and make us forget who we are or make us scared to step forward and exercise our authority because we are stronger than him, 
right? All you got to do is put your foot on the head of that little raccoon, and you, he doesn't stand a chance. But sometimes they can intimidate people as just how vicious they are. The enemy tries to do that. But we have to exercise the authority that we have so that we can evoke the rights that belong to us as part of our inheritance and enjoy those privileges thereof. Here's another thought. Let's say you came home and you come to your house and you pull up and there's a, a bunch of people that are sitting there in your home. And you're like, wait a minute, this is, they don't belong here. This is, this is my home. And you come up to the house and you say, hey, you need to get out of here. And not only am I going to tell you to get out of here, listen, get this, but there are governing authorities of the land. You see where I'm going with this? There are governing authorities of the land that whenever I bring them in, they are going to uphold my rights and they are going to assist me in throwing you out and removing you from the place that's mine that you're trying to occupy. You see, the Bible tells us that all things are upheld by the power of God's word. So when we evoke our rights as heirs of God, knowing that this inheritance is ours, the governing authority of heaven, God's government upholds and stands behind us to make sure that our rights and privileges are carried out. God told the prophet Jeremiah, he said, I watch over my word to make sure that it is performed. Man, that just blows me away and fires me up. It makes me want to live that life of authority that God has given me, knowing that there is an enemy out there that I have to keep my foot on top of all of the time to remain above and not beneath. He knows where he belongs, but it requires each and every one of us to exercise our rights in order to carry them out. So number two was authority must be exercised. Here's, here's one last point on that. I didn't want to pass this up. When Jesus was telling the parable of the prodigal son, one of the things that happened when the son returned is that the father put on put a ring on him, a robe on him, he put sandals on him. And the ring represents authority. So think about this for a second, because a lot of people get this backwards. When the son returned, the father put a ring on him because he was a son. He did not become a son after he put a ring on, right? Meaning his, his attachment to being a son had nothing to do with him wearing a ring. He wore a ring because he was a son. You see, because we are children of God, we have the authority. We have the ability to exercise these rights of our inheritance and see God move to stand behind his children and uphold their rights and privileges against anything that comes in opposition against that. That's powerful stuff to think about. Last point that I want to make about authority, kingdom principles authority, is that authority is submitted. Authority is submitted. You know, when we walk in the fullness of our authority that God has given us, it's when we re re realize and remain submitted to his authority. People who are in authority need to be under authority as well. Let me say that that is the healthiest and safest place 
for any one of us to be in. There's this story in the Gospels where there's a Roman centurion, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, I've got a servant that's sick. He sends people to, to bring Jesus to his servant because he, he wants Jesus to heal him. He knows who Jesus is. So Jesus says, yeah, I'll heal him. And so Jesus says, I'm going to come. And so he starts to go where the servant is, and this is, this is awesome. The servant, or the centurion says, no, 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 Jesus, you don't need to go. You just need to say the word and he'll be healed. And this is what he says. Remember, authority is submitted, right? The centurion says, for I also am a man under authority, and I have those under my authority. And I say to some, go, and I say to some, do this, and they do that because they're under my authority. But he says, I also am under authority. So he saw somehow because of the way Jesus was teaching and the way he was walking, he could see that Jesus was under the authority of the Father. Remember, Jesus said, hey, I don't do anything and I don't say anything that the Father doesn't tell me to say or do. He says, Father, not my will, but your will. So Jesus, as the Son, demonstrated perfectly for us a walk that we need to emulate, which is being submitted to ultimate authority. I know this is a little bit sometimes confusing to think about because Jesus is God, he's the son, but is the incarnation in the son, in the flesh, he was demonstrating for us that we must remain submitted to the authority of God if we're going to walk in the fullness of the authority that he's giving us. We come out from under that authority and we begin to compromise the very authority we've been given by that same authority. And the, and the centurion saw this. Jesus said, wow, he was blown away. He said, I'm telling you right now, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. <laughs> it's powerful stuff, folks. We remain humble and we remain submitted to the authority of God in our lives. And that empowers us to actually walk in the fullness of the authority that's been granted to us. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 1. We've been there most of the morning. Uh, verses 22 and 23, it says, he has put all things under his feet. So God the Father has put all things under the feet of Jesus, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, get this, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Jesus is the head, and we, the church, are the body right? So we're submitted to the head. He's the ultimate highest authority, but we are a part of him as the body of Christ. And it says that he's put all things under his feet. So feet are part of the body. Do you get that? When we're connected to the head and we're submitted to God's ultimate authority, his word and his authority in our lives is paramount and it is the ultimate deciding factor in everything we do. When we're submitted like that, then all things remain under our feet because they're under the feet of Jesus. And again, Romans 8, we are co-heirs, joint heirs with Christ in the fullness of that inheritance that he died for us to have. Man, I hope this is encouraging you today because my heart, my desire is for each and every one of you, all of us, to really live a life of authority, that we would remain submitted to the ultimate authority of God, that we would continue by faith to exercise the authority that's been given to us. And lastly, if you're listening today 
And maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. Maybe you've never opened up your heart to the Lord and said, God, come and live on the inside of me. I want to receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Then maybe that authority has never been granted to you. It's never actually been instilled or transferred to you because you haven't been redeemed yet by the blood of Christ through your faith in him. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. I want to ask you if you're ready to change your life, if you're ready to begin living a life of purpose that God died for you to have, then you need his Holy Spirit to come live on the inside of you and empower you, and then you will be redeemed, you will be sealed by that Holy Spirit, and then you will have the inheritance that Christ died for you to have, the fullness which still yet awaits you in the life after this one in eternity with him. You say, Father God, I just give my life to you today. I turn from the life I've known, and I turn entirely to you, Jesus. I put my faith in you. I make you Lord. I make you Savior. I want you to come and live on the inside of me and help me to become the person that you've created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I tell you, if you prayed that prayer today, according to the word of God, you are saved, you are born again, and you are an heir and inheritor of eternal life. I pray that you live from the blessed assurance of that every single day. We'd love to connect with you, get to know you, help you in this journey of faith that you're on. In just a second, you're going to hear some information on how you can touch base with us, and then we can get in touch with you and assist you in walking this journey out. Again, I love you. I'm so happy that you tuned in with us today. We exist to raise up game changers, and we are praying for you every single day that God would continue to reveal himself more and more, and the fullness of your destiny would come to pass. God bless you, and have an awesome day.